What's up, champs? Welcome back to another season of the Keeping Carlson Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett. I have ditched my far more famous and clout-driven besties from the Beat Writer interview series, and I am joined instead by my much my uh, my counterpart, my partner in crime, the uh, the one, the only, the talented Mister E, Lewis Ezekiel. Lewis, how are you doing tonight? Your humble assistant. The uh, you know, I, I get in the box. You saw me in half. My legs kick. It's a great show. Uh, I forgot hey, to I, call it a fine, fine night, though. Do you think that's jinxed us? No, because I think uh, I, th- I think that's an in-season thing anyway. You know, okay. we never know what it's going to be like outside of the season. But any night where hockey is actually happening, when we record on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so it's always that is a fine, fine night. Okay, great. Sorry, I jumped over you. What, uh, you take it away here. Uh, Well, just, you know, a little bit about what we're going to do today and what the idea of our show is, you know, they say that your draft can be lost in the early rounds, but your draft is won in the late rounds. And what we sort of thought we would do is everybody's out there dissecting the top 100, top 150 of the rankings, trying to figure out, you know, who should rank where and how to use those upper picks. Uh, What we thought we would do is come in and look at some of the, you know, late rounders, some of the dollar auction type guys, somebody that you can pick up late in your draft, you know, based on both the fan tracks and the cupful ADPs and could really give you a nice value for where they are being picked up. And uh, what we're hoping is, you know, especially as, you know, uh, the Keeping Carlson uh, patron fantasy leagues are getting going, they're going to start drafting. Uh, Sorry, the ultimate patron fantasy league yeah not just the regular one that's right i can't i can't i was like i know i'm missing one of the letters in that acronym we're in mid-season form here Uh, (laughs) but the you know the idea is you know by the time they get to listen to the show you know they will get some help in those late round making their choices uh and anyone out there who is preparing their draft strategy you know looking at the bottom of those rosters is an important place yes sometimes you churn through them pretty quick but when you find those diamonds in the rough that you want to hold on to uh, that can make the whole difference that's right and the other thing that we uh are doing tonight is we are live streaming uh, on twitch uh, at twitch.tv slash keeping carlson the hope is that we're going to keep doing this for into the into the regular season, Lewis. That means that our beautiful, uh, I almost said juicy faces. Um, and you know what? It might be that might be a good descriptor for my face. So I'm going to I'm going to keep that in there. Uh, that's canon now is uh, our juicy faces are on screen on twitch.tv slash keeping Carlson. Uh, I hope that more people will uh, join us as we get going. But we already have an all star crew in the in the comments here. Yeah. Um And one thing, just before we get started, we want to make sure uh, Elon asked us to just remind Mm -hmm. folks who are in the cupful, we imagine many of the patrons are listening, uh, make sure anyone who signed up and is in the $5 All the Perks tier uh, to have joined the Discord, uh, that they're added to their league chat, that they are joined in their fan tracks league. Uh, and just to reach out to us, if you're unsure about anything, like we're super friendly, we do not bite. We would like to help you uh, get your team ready to go. This is the largest season of the cupful ever. 
Uh, we have over 500 managers, uh, closer to 550. Uh, and so it's going to be really exciting. Eight tiers, promotion, relegation league. Uh, this is the biggest and most intensive fantasy hockey league out there. So it's going to be a really outstanding season. And we don't want you to miss out, especially if you are someone who wanted to be part of the fun. So if you're listening and you're uh, in need of some assistance, make sure you jump in the discord and get some help from us. Yes. And to add on to that, Elon also mentioned if you were added to your league chat, but you haven't yet joined the Fantrax league yet, please do so ASAP. Um, you know, Elon, you don't want Elon disappointed with you. That's that is the main thing here. Um, if you've registered but haven't been invited to your league chat, it means that you're either not on Discord or your Patreon is not set up properly. So, like Lewis said, hop on the Discord, uh, make sure that you have all of the details. And if you have not yet registered for the Cupful, but you still want to play, it's probably not too late. You can still register ASAP, join the waitlist, and this says we, but it means Elon, uh, Elon and Kevin and, and Brian and the, the folks who are running the Cupful will try to get you into a league before drafts begin on September the 19th. And Lewis, it's our first chance to talk about our own Cupful leagues. I am not in tier one this year. It means my slow draft starts. On Monday, I pick 10th overall. I'm curious. I'm putting you on the spot here. Who would you take if you were me? 10th overall in the cupful. Uh, you know, I, I wish I was looking at the mock ADPs right now. Uh, that seems like a spot where uh, maybe an OV is available. Is, is that like an OV Stamkos kind of area? I'll give you I'll give you six through 10 how, or yeah, six please. through 12. Um, so uh, Kucherov is going at six. Kaprizov at seven. Marner is averaging at nine. So there's obviously a, a little bit of overlap there. Uh, Rantanen at 10. Ovechkin also averaging around 10. Barkov at 11. Okay. So I, I think those higher ranked guys like Kaprizov and Kucherov, I don't know if they're going to be available to you. So I'm not going to spend any time with them. I like Rantanen there if he's available. You know, Marner is kind of, uh, you know, locale because he's not going to give you a whole lot besides those points. Um, you know, I feel like Colorado is going to be a little more top heavy than maybe they typically are uh, just because it's hard to, you know, it's hard to resign all the players they need to and, and maintain all their depth and that sort of thing. So uh, I kind of like Ranton and to potentially um, uh, to potentially be a lot of value there, maybe carrying even a heavier load than normal. And we know he's capable of, of you know, a lot of good things. Um, we also have a couple of people in the chat, Maddie, Maddie Elliott or sorry, Maddie G. I, that is a shout out my my buddy Matty Elliott. Uh, Matthew G is in the chat. He's in my division, tier two, San Jose, drafting at number five or rather number six. Uh, who would you take at six? Or no, Matthew Matthias at five. I, I don't. I'm getting this mixed up. Who would you take at five after the big four? So you, presumably, ninety percent of these drafts are going to go McDavid, McKinnon, Drysital, Matthews. In some order, who do you do at five? Kale McCarr with a bullet, my friend. Okay, I so love... you're going for Vorp. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. I love to get good defensemen. Uh, I know Elon has sometimes talked about maybe fading off of that a little bit, but I, I really like McCarr. I mean, you know, he's doing forward type scoring in that spot. And, uh, you know, I think maybe not as explosive as those other guys, but like he and, and McKinnon, I have even as kind of close, like, uh, it was kind of frustrating being a McKinnon owner last year with some injuries being in and out and some stupid decisions that he made. Like, you know, eh, that was not super fun for me. 
so um, I'm not saying pick Makar at four, but at, at five, that, that's what I'm grabbing. All right. Well, Lewis, let's get into tonight's show. As you mentioned, we are talking about uh, what I, I thought of this kind of as bargains. So these are guys, not necessarily guys who I, I think like they need to go earlier, but they're guys who where they're going right now, there's a lot of value there and and guys who could either outperform or who could uh, provide a lot of uh, a lot of safe production for you at a, a point in the draft where it's not very likely that you're going to be able to do so. Uh, I dibsed going first, so I am going to begin uh, and I'm going to start in Buffalo, uh, a team that is, I, I'd say this starting to get a little impatient and starting to want a little bit more from uh, one of our favorite coaches, Donnie Meatballs, uh, hoping for maybe being a little bit close, closer to the playoff picture this year. And I want to talk about Alex Tuck, a player who is going at 165 on Yahoo. And one thing I think we should add here is that uh, Yahoo doesn't appear to have ADP really that goes beyond 160. It like everybody is kind of mashed together after 160 or so. So really what that means for Alex Tuck is he's like, you know, on the fringe of being drafted on Yahoo. He's going 153 on fan tracks, which has, you know, I, I'd say fairly deeper or, or a fairly deep uh, mock draft. More system. reliable, maybe. Yeah, that's. I think that the numbers are actually real rather than kind of just giving you whenever Tuck is drafted, he's around 160, but often he's not. Um, before I really talk about Tuck, though, I, I kind of want to mention quickly here that having done several mocks and and kind of uh, to your point about, about looking at Ranton and at 10, one thing I find when I'm doing the mocks recently on fan tracks and, and drafting with other dialed in fantasy players is that right wing really seems to thin quickly. Um, at the top of the draft, obviously, you have Kucherov, uh, Rantanen, Pasternak, you got Mitch Marner. I have questions about that next tier, though. And if you look at the Kakupful mock ADP, which you can get by becoming a patron and, and joining uh, the, the Keeping Carlson Discord, that gives you essentially, like, I would say the most accurate mock draft ADP uh, that I see between, you know, Fantrax, Yahoo, ESPN. I find this mock ADP uh, put together by Kevin Hibert, the uh, the genius of the Kakupful. And I find it really helpful in preparation. Um, but if you look at that mock draft from, from Pasta around 14 and Patrick Kane at 28, so, you know, the entirety of the second round, there's really just one right wing going in that, that stretch. And it's Matthew Kachuk, who I think it's fair to have some questions there. So my first suggestion here is I just think you need to make sure you're keeping an eye on available right wings and having a plan for how you want to get high end guys on that side, because I think you may need to take a few swings if you wind up getting like drafting centers and left wings early and needing to fill out that right side. Um, so back to Tuck, this is somebody who's going as, you know, a 12th or 13th round guy. If you're, if you're looking at 12 team mocks, who's going to be playing on a top line, top power play on a potentially bubble ish Buffalo team. And, you know, he did come in and, and pace for around 60 points last year after coming back from an injury, after getting traded over from Vegas. And this season he's coming in healthy. He's coming in with a full training camp under his belt. Um, and, and I think there's a chance he can outpace the 60 points he scored last year. But I also think that even if he doesn't, he's still going to be really valuable. He's going to provide you multi-cat coverage. He's going to be a solid contributor. It's a safe play. And I don't always, I don't always love safe plays at this point in the draft, but I feel like Alex Tuck is a guy who a lot of people are going to get him in the second half of their drafts, and he's going to be more valuable than a few of the players that you pick up 
uh, before that. So really nice, safe floor play. But Alex Tuck is somebody who I, I really like in drafts this year. Yeah, I like that too. I, you know, I don't want to spend forever in a day on each player that we cover, but I think that we're talking about Buffalo as a team that has a lot of young talent that's developing. You know, I think that we can assume that they take some steps forward, that they're, you know, getting towards more of a winning mentality. You know, a lot of that is, you know, some, some hopey changey kind of thinking, but you know, I think there is something to be said to, you know, having that talent, get some time to develop and talk, you know, having access now to uh, more playing time and, and better line mates than he ever got in Vegas. And I think that's an exciting opportunity for him. Uh, and you brought up, uh, you brought up all the work that Kevin is doing, you know, as long as we're talking about the great stuff in the cook there is not a league that you're going to be able to join that has more comprehensive stats brought to you uh, in real time than the cook So that's another really cool thing that it offers. Uh, we'd love to have you there. Ultimately, it kind of looked like once we, we divvied up who we wanted to look at, um, not intentionally necessarily, but you were kind of looking at guys between 150 and 200. And I ended up looking at a lot of guys from 200 down to the two thirties or so. So um, basically as it bounces back between you and I, you're looking at some guys who might be available at the end of drafts in shallower leagues. My guys will be available in uh, you know, at the end rounds in drafts that are a little deeper. Uh, and I want to look at Mikhail Granlund as an option. He's going at 196 in fan tracks around 205 in Kakupful ADP. Uh, you know, 64 points last year, uh, including 53 assists, you know, uh, pretty, pretty nice totals for him. Obviously, uh, Nashville was a, was a team that really broke out and finally figured out that power play. You know, it had really been their bugaboo was not having any sense of how to get that power play to work. Certainly helped that Philly Forsberg was in a contract year. I have to imagine uh, that worked out very nice for him. Good on Nashville for being able to keep him around. Um, and you know, 205 in the Kakupful ADP, that's about as low as you can go to find a line one power play one center who isn't a rookie injured or flying some big red flags. Um, you know, there should be some red flags, you know, that's why he's being drafted, you know, in the two hundreds. I don't think we can count on Nashville to be as successful on the power play. Uh, I think Yossi Duchesne and Forsberg all overperformed. We saw nearly 19% shooting from, uh, Granlin's line mates, uh, and that helped him get 25 power play assists. So I don't know if 28 power play points is necessarily in the cards for him again. And we know he doesn't shoot a ton, but this is a guy who will give you a hit per game. Uh, you know, he's very likely to reprise his role as center between Duchesne and Forsberg. He seems like a very safe 55 to 60 point guy. Uh, and that's pretty, you know, I think that's solid value for a guy around pick 200 uh, to be confident that you're getting 55 points at a minimum. Yeah, I wish that I could be as excited about Granlin, but you kind of said it right at the end there about the shots. And, and that's what really bothers me about this guy. Um, yeah, in a points only league, I, I agree with you completely. But I, I just worry about a guy who who doesn't hit two shots a game uh, with 20 minutes a night on the ice. And yeah, I think the the power play points is the other thing there. I am worried about that coming back to earth. But hey, at 205 or two in the in the final round of the cupful draft that's a that is a you know that's where you're kind of taking your shot and you're you're seeing what you can do and definitely Granlund a guy who uh who can be a streamer type as well right like you can add him for that power play uh you know actually with with Nashville having that that back-to-back early on in the season Granlund is a really interesting option uh as a streamer type that you can draft and then drop after that uh after those uh international games against is it San Jose am I right about that 
I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. I, I agree with you now. I'm on board. <laughs> I love it. So I was going to bounce back to that talking about the schedule, but you, you know, we are vibing. You are, you are right there with me. You said it. We're in a, we're in mid season form here. Am I up next? Yeah. Or did you have, okay. I want to talk about Sean Couturier next. And I think he's a bit of an obvious candidate here. You know, he's going in that 160 range that I mentioned earlier as sort of like where the, where the average spot kind of flattens out. And I think Couturier has always kind of been a sleeper type who doesn't really get the respect he deserves in fantasy. At this point, obviously, I have some, I think, fairly predictable concerns about him. The Flyers look like they might be like bad, bad. Um, But despite that very bleak outlook, obviously the unquestioned 1C in Philly, and he's going so low that he's basically free, especially in Yahoo. That's that's what gets me excited here is if you're in sort of one of those leagues that... uh, you know, you're drafting with a couple of buddies from back home and, you know, you're one of like four or five people who know what you're doing. I think that Couturier could wind up being one of those guys who's who's free money this year. Um, you know, Tortorella is coming in to coach this team. He's going to be looking to wring offensive blood out of the Philadelphia stone. Uh, I'd expect it to be Couturier, who's a part of it. And he's the highest upside of anyone on this Philly team. There's there's no question for me there. But a bonus name that I wanted to kind of throw out there. This is this is my boldest uh, pivot that I that I'm going to get into maybe on this show is if you think about John Tortorella and the way that he coaches and the way that he's obsessed with defensive responsibility. You know, Sean Couturier, that's who Sean Couturier was for years. And we thought we knew that he could do more. We thought that given more opportunity in Philadelphia, he could become an offensive, uh, offensive forward. And and he did that right. Like over the last three four years, he turned into that seventy point guy. But I can't help but think there's a there's a chance. Uh, this is a bold prediction. This is a chance. Spit it out, man. I want to hear it. Tortorella could wind up loving Couturier's defensive upside so much that he needs the second line to be that scoring line. And if that's the case, I mean, I'm not going to draft anyone on that second line off top, but is Kevin Hayes potentially interesting in that situation? Yes. So I'm just, I'm already looking to, I'm looking forward to Flyers training camp. I think I'm the first person to say that this year. Um, and it's because I want to see what's going on with the Flyers lines. I feel like there's an opportunity for Kevin Hayes if they need to find offense on the second line because Couturier is, you know, too busy being the Jon Snow fighting off a whole army on the top line. Do we know what Kevin Hayes' cupful ADP is? Is it uh, is it undefined? I think he is undrafted across all mocks. So yes, I, I'm not saying draft him, but I am saying. Eh. So we were talking about a diamond in the deepest of the rough, but that's a really interesting idea, actually, mm-hmm. that, you know, I think a lot of people come in and think, OK, Sean Couturier, defensively responsible. Torts is going to love him in much the same way that he is going to dog uh, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, and yeah, maybe 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 you're right. Maybe that love actually uh, comes all the way around to the point where Couturier is, is taking on too much defensive responsibility that it's not. Uh, helping his offensive game the way that you might imagine, you know, getting out there with some extra time is, and, and yeah, maybe keep an eye out for that Kevin Hayes. We're going to, we're going to store that one away because if Kevin Hayes goes off on a little bender, we're all going to be talking about how wise Ben Burnett is. That's the, that is the key is you have to make just absolutely ludicrous calls uh, once a show. And then when one of them hits, uh, that's the only one you ever talk about again. 
Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, let's jump back down to some of the later round guys. We're going to talk about a guy who's right around where Mikhail Granlund was. He's actually a little later in Fantrax ADP and a little earlier in Cupful, three later and three earlier. So kind of in the exact same spot. And that's Philip Grubauer. And I don't want to spend a ton of time on this one because this is, I think, my most dangerous selection here uh, because you're dealing with a goalie who just was straight up god awful. Like he did worse, uh, significantly worse than uh, an average goalie should have done in his position. But it's also, you know, it's hard to imagine that, you know, with the variability of goalies, I'm, I'm hoping that that, you know, he has been as bad as he was likely to be, you know, on this brand new team that was still feeling things out. You know, they're better down the middle post-draft. They're in year two of their building plan. Um, and, you know, honestly, at, at 202, you know, this is not a not a very expensive choice for you to make. Uh, I, you know, can't imagine he's going to go for more than a dollar or two in the auction. You know, it's a guy that you can dump if he doesn't work out. But he could potentially, if he can, you know, be average, uh, you know, he could provide you a lot of value from where he's being drafted. There's just a lot of negativity about how horrendous his play was. And just, you know, Seattle was kind of was kind of rough, I think. Uh, and yes, we can say better down the middle, but we're talking about a couple of rookies, but at least they're speedy guys. You know, they have the potential to be able to come back and help in the defensive end. Uh, I'm kind of into the rise of Gru this upcoming season. That despicable you, my friend. Um, no, I think that's uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. When you said that you didn't want to like you weren't going to this is like your riskiest pick. I actually I love this pick. I think that Philip Grubauer. You know what? I'm just going to hop right into my next pick. And uh, and that's going to be I'm going to jump down my list a bit to Jared McCann here. And I, I think of Jared McCann sort of in the the prototype of like a um, a post hype sleeper. And that's what I think Grubauer can be as well. Not that I expect him to be maybe as good as we thought he could be last year um, going into last year, rather. But these are guys who are on a team that unquestionably just added pieces to the top that allow their allow the rest of their lines to sort of fit into more acceptable positions for them. So, you know, McCann was a guy who was getting a ton of hype as maybe the next Jonathan Marcheseau on the expansion Kraken. And when you look around this lineup, I feel like, I feel like there's an opportunity for some of these guys to make that jump this year. You, you talked about some of the players that get added here. We're talking about Burakovsky, Bjorkstrand. Hopefully, Matty Beniers is is can be the guy who a lot of people hope that. And what we saw from him at the end of last year was really exciting, and that could be really, really beneficial to Jared McCann on the power play. Um, you know, as I also mentioned, it's going to allow him to fit into the lineup a little bit easier. He can. I've seen a few uh, a few line combos that have have put him on the on the wing, um, allowing him to sort of play with a little bit less responsibility and maybe become a bit more freewheeling. Um, but if you look at McCann's numbers, despite the fact that he didn't really pan out at the level that people had hoped for, he started firing the puck at the net at a much higher rate than we're used to seeing from him. I think he jumped from 2.2 to 2.7 shots per game. And that's just, that makes him rosterable in basically any league, in my opinion. Uh, sorry, in any categories league that counts shots is what I meant to say there. Uh, any multi-cat league, um, but he's also really useful in a points leagues, you know, in the cupful, if he's going to shoot two and a half shots per game, then he's giving you um, he's giving you a couple of points just there as, as a baseline. And then if he's adding a point every 
uh, 1.5 games or so, you know, if he's only going to become a 60 point player, that's still fine because the shots are there. So again, a player who you're going to get very late in drafts, but I think one who has a lot more upside than people are realizing because they feel a bit burned by him last year. Yeah. And, you know, I, I have a soft spot for Jared McCann. Uh, I was hoping for big things for him. I really like the idea of, of not seeing him kind of shoehorned into a center role, but, but getting that freedom you were talking about on the wing, you know, at the risk of reusing a joke, uh, Seattle was kind of like uh, the spirit, a spirit airlines team last year. Uh, they got some wings and they got a whole lot of nothing down the middle in terms of, you know, what they can provide for the people in the seats. So uh, yeah, I really like that idea. Uh, can I jump on to my next guy? All right. So uh, up next, I want to talk about another guy. This is kind of a big jump after this one, but Gustav Forslang, who Fantrax and Kakupful are right about in agreement with 207 on Fantrax, 208 in Kakupful. Uh, with this big minute muncher, Mackenzie Wegar off to Calgary in the Kachuk trade, uh, G-Force, which is what we are calling him now, uh, 100%, uh, looks to inherit some additional minutes uh, that I don't think Mark Stahl and the ghost of Michael Delzato are going to be able to take on. You know, they, they added a couple guys, but none that are looking like the type of guys who can handle the type of minutes that Wegar was, was running for the team. Uh, he didn't get any power play time on ice, uh, even after Ekblad was injured, talking about Forsling again. Um, but Brandon Montour, who was doing the you know power play fill and didn't get any power play points. So there's a possibility they can give him the chance. But even if he stays off the power play, and I know this was a guy you talked uh, to David Dwork about in your outstanding uh, series, your, your, your 32 beats, uh, the interviews that you and Elon have been doing. Um, you know, look at him as, you know, a guy who uh, can fill peripherals if he's going to be filling in some of those weak arm minutes, that's going to be even more minutes to, to gather up those peripheral stats if your league counts them. Uh, Dabber projects him at about a 50 point pace, and I think that's reasonable, you know, and he's got room to, to go over that if he can get onto power play too. Uh, and, you know, uh, when they're spelling Ekblad uh, and that top unit. I agree with you on this one. I love uh, Gustav Forsling as like, you know, your fourth defenseman in a league. Um, I think he has an opportunity to, to really outshine that value. It's kind of interesting, like uh, thinking through, like when you're taking swings at the end of a draft, like when you're, when you're drafting a forward late, you're really hoping for, for them to be able to put up points. But when you're picking defensemen at the end of the draft, in a lot of cases, you're really just looking to find like eke out this very marginal value. And, and I feel like uh, I feel like that's what you can find with Gustav Forsling is a player who was pretty decent last year, but now with like a slight uptick in minutes, a little bit more um, opportunity to, to rack up those those peripheral stats could turn into a guy who's worth rostering in a lot more leagues. I definitely like that as a strategy, you know, aiming for the ceiling with forwards at the end of your draft and looking for a steady floor from defensemen towards the end of that draft, especially because, you know, there's not going to be nearly as many surprises. I think there's always a couple, you know, coming up through the ranks or there's injuries and that sort of thing, but uh, look for floor for your late draft defensemen. I'm going to go to a, a player that I'm, I'm drafting for ceiling and, uh, and that's Seth Jarvis, uh, who's going around 170 on Yahoo, 177 on fan tracks a guy who really turned it on in the second half last year. I don't think I'm really alone in, in I uh, no, I'm not alone in, in projecting a, an uptick for Jarvis, but I, I just think the case is so strong here. He puts up 18 points in the last 21 games of the regular season, uh, playing almost entirely with Sebastian Ajo. And even though Rob Brindamore is a big time line blender offender, it was 
very irregular that that Jarvis would get blendered off that top line. Usually he would stay there when Tavo was there and he would stay there when Svech was there. I think what's really interesting about Jarvis heading into next season, though, is where, you know, you hear people talk about what the the top power play will look like in Carolina. Uh, Obviously, if Pacioretty were uh, healthy, he would be he would factor in there. But where he's not going to be back for quite a while, um, we're looking at Ajo, we're looking at Tavo, uh, we're looking at Brent Burns, of course. And I, I think that most people expect Svechnikov and then it's a bit of a question mark as to who is the fourth. What many people, I think, are forgetting about the playoffs last season is that Andrei Svechnikov was not on the top power play unit for at the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. It was Seth Jarvis's spot. And when Jarvis got hurt, they once again did not put Andrei Svechnikov on the top unit. They gave it to Martin Natchez, Martin Natchez, sorry. So do I think Svechnikov, you know, doesn't get onto the top power play uh, at any point this season? No, that would be silly and and if Rob Brindamore does that I will be angry with him um but to me when I look at Jarvis this guy who posts a 50 point pace as a 19 year old going into his second full season with a coach who seems to love putting him in positions to succeed you know Natchez was a guy who had a lot of hype but who Kane's the Kane's management and, and coaching staff seems to be fairly disappointed with Jarvis seems to be the guy who's who's going to be in a position to succeed. I think there's a really solid chance for a breakout here. And, and I think he probably, I think he probably still remains a streamer in shallow leagues, but I think he's a great target in deeper leagues. And I think he has the talent to put up, you know, 65 points next year, depending on that opportunity. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, you know, that's a guy who, who was not really on my radar at all. So I love to hear you bring him up uh, and, and, you know, provide us with some of that info about how he's being deployed really interesting and and could be a great guy, you know, and, and that lets me segue also to another player who it seems like his coach uh, really enjoys putting him in a position where he can succeed. Uh, and that's Trevor Moore. And now, you know, we're not talking about power play one type position to succeed, but we're also talking about a guy who's going 222 overall in fan tracks and 226 overall in Kakupful. So, you know, this is a big drop from Forsling. You know, we've gone down about a full round worth of picks uh, to get down to Trevor Moore. But this is a guy who I think is really interesting. If you're in a deep draft and he's still hanging around uh, at the tail end, Trevor Moore was a guy who forced himself onto line two around midseason of, ahead of the more experienced Alex Ayafalo and just really refused to take a step back. He had 23 points in 22 games in January and February. And though he slowed down, he only had 18 and 27 in March and April. Uh, he really was a delight for fantasy owners, uh, especially those who counted shots and shorthanded points. Uh, he had four shorties and a shorthanded assist during March and April, uh, bringing his total to six shorthanded points on the season, which tied him for first with Alex Formenton. I decided I would not quiz you on that one because that seems like a, like a tough one. But he was ahead of players like Barkov, Huberdeau, uh, Zibanejad uh, in shorthanded points. You know, this this is a spot where he can succeed in, and there are a lot of leagues that reward those shorthanded points. Uh, so that could be interesting. You know, if you have him as a category, getting one or two is enough to win you the week. Uh, or if you get some bonus points for him, that's always really nice. Uh, I don't think he's going to score 65 points like the pace he put up over the last 65 odd games of the season. Um, but I think that he's another guy who could be, you know, a, a 55 point guy potentially on that second line uh, and could provide you, you know, with a nice pile of shots. He had 202 shots last season. He only shot 8%. So it's not like his numbers, you know, his shooting numbers were, were way too high. Uh, and like I said, gr- great pick for anyone who counts shots and shorthanded points, uh, either as categories or rewards them with points. Yeah. It's weird to me that there's 
absolutely zero Trevor Moore hype, not because like, uh, you know, he's super flashy and exciting, but just that he was so good over the second half that it, it feels like there's always somebody who wants to continue and, and buy into the, the second half excitement. And to me, Trevor Moore is somebody who at the very least, I'm curious to see what he can do this year following up, uh, following up last year. Um, I am going to jump to a goaltender. I have I have two left here, Lewis. How about you? I also have two, and they're kind of of a theme. So I'll do them together after you do your next guy. Okay, then I think I'm going to finish up here. I think this will be my last one. Okay. Um, and I have a I have a goalie. Um, and this is a goalie who they're going 118 on Yahoo and 180 on Fantrax. So I'm this is more for the uh, the Fantrax girlies that are listening. Um, I'm talking about Logan Thompson in Vegas. I did not realize how high he was going on Yahoo. He's ahead of Jordan Bennington and way ahead of like Elvis Merzlikens. That's way too high for me. I am not that type of into Logan Thompson. I'm not going to grab him in Yahoo drafts this year. Definitely. Uh, assume if you're drafting for Yahoo and again, like in a situation where you're drafting uh, with your home league, just just fill in Elvis for this slot. You should be drafting him way higher than than where he's going. But if you're drafting in a league of cognizant fantasy players, then I really think that Logan Thompson has just really, really the potential to be a a very, a very good pick at this slot. Um, as a prospect, you look through his stats, elite in the AHL, elite in the ECHL, elite in college. And then when he joined the flailing Knights amid horrific injury luck last year, he posts this really solid 914 save percentage. I, I have a stat here too, Lewis. That save percentage is tied with everybody's favorite goalie of all time, Jake Ettinger. So you know, you're high on Jake Ettinger. It's because he has the he has the net there. He's going to I would I'm obviously going to bet on Jake Ettinger over Logan Thompson because I believe in Ettinger getting more of the starts. And and I think that uh, I think that, you know, Brian and Elon put Logan Thompson in tier one million or whatever on Smore Goalies board for a reason. And that's that there are question marks with him. But I'm not here to say that he's going to blow people away this season. My take on goalies has always been the same. It's that I want opportunity for cheap. And that's what Logan Thompson represents to me. Um, talent is not as important to me as deployment. And I'm okay with a little risk so long as there is a lot of reward. Logan Thompson right now is being drafted as a low-end number two who has no one in the way. Like, nobody good in the way of becoming a workhorse on a potential cup contender. And if you do end up with Logan Thompson and he does stink, I'm thinking like similarly to uh was it was it Michael Hutchinson who stunk in uh in that everybody thought would be good in Winnipeg and yeah, no Winnipeg. Was well, it wasn't Winnipeg. Yeah, but it was the I don't know if anyone thought it was gonna be was it Steve Mason who was supposed to be good and then he blew it in Winnipeg and that's when Connor Hellebuck came out. I, I think that's what it was, right? Like they signed Steve Mason, he blew it immediately. And if you had Steve Mason, you you just had to handcuff Connor Hellebuck and you got a top 10 goalie with your last pick in the draft. And, and I think that that's similar to the situation that you could have with Logan Thompson. You grab Logan Thompson has the potential to be a workhorse on a potential cup contender. And if he doesn't play well to start the year, you grab Aiden Hill or whatever, ride the wave. I'm super into this risk on Thompson and you let those chips fall as they may. I hope we can get confirmation for that. Steve Mason trivia uh, from known friend and trusted Steve agent 
or Steve Mason agent Brian uh, in the Twitch chat. Uh, I guess the one thing that I think is concerning people about Thompson is, isn't he eligible to, isn't he on a two-way contract? Yeah, but there's only two of the goalies in the, Laurent Brossois is not going to be ready to go to start the season. So he's going to have his opportunity. He's been better than Brossois last year. I like him. Yeah, I was going to say, even even despite the potential that he could be sent down, I think there is a very good chance that he uh, plays his way into keeping that position. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, I think that's a really interesting lottery ticket pick for a goalie. If not, if nothing else, Lewis, does that not make him even more like Jake Ettinger? Oh, wow. That's really interesting. That's like the parallels are, are this is eerie. Yeah, exactly. So lock it in. Uh, Jake Ettinger is going to win uh, or almost win Las Vegas, a playoff series this year. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, he let's be serious. That dude did everything he could. Um, all right. The last two guys that I want to talk about are, are kind of peas in a pod here because they are both guys that I think have temporary value because they're filling in for guys who are injured. Uh, we're not exactly sure how soon their uh, normal, you know, the guys who normally fill those positions will be back. But I want to talk about Jake DeBrusque and Dylan Strom. Uh, DeBrusque potentially filling in uh, during the Marchand absence. Uh, he's rescinded his trade request. He seems to be a lot happier with Cassidy gone. Uh, so he could be a guy who, uh, you know, has, has the potential. We'll talk about him in a second. And then Dylan Strom was my other guy uh, who might be filling in that second center position in Washington with Backstrom out. Uh, so starting with JDB, uh, he's going 229 in Cupful or in fan tracks. I'm sorry, 231 in Cupful. Uh, you know, could see that top line and potentially power play one time uh, until Marshan gets back. Uh, it, you know, it could only be a handful of your weekly matches. Um, but again, you know, at the price that he's going, that's a that's a nice piece to have. And this is a spot that you probably want to churn into a streamer slot eventually anyway. So, you know, ride it while it's hot, you know, buy that short term ticket like you were talking about. And if it doesn't work out, you know, no, no skin off your back. Right. You can you can move on to someone else. You know, he's definitely not going to be a permanent situ- uh, permanent solution there. Um, but he did finish 2022 with 12 points in 15 April games. And he saw his time on ice rise two minutes during, uh, during that run. So, uh, I do worry a little bit that the Bruins power play could be rickety with no, uh, Marchand or McAvoy out of the gate. Um, but yeah, this is a guy who could provide you some temporary above replacement value from a spot that, you know, really has, has no real value, uh, you know, at the way tail end of your draft. Uh, and then another guy who has kind of an interesting discrepancy to said Dylan Strom, uh, he's going 238 in fan tracks, but way up at 217. So ahead of Jake DeBrusque by a full round. Uh, and, you know, with Backstrom facing that lengthy recovery, according to the team, Strom gets that second center duty, could potentially see top power play if Mantha continues his descent down the lineup that he seems to seems to love to take. Uh, and the coaches maybe decide to move on from that power play one Connor Sherry experience. You know, Strom showed us some things uh, towards the end of the season there. Um, you know, uh, probably safer bet that he ends up on power play too, but he could still, you know, he would still have Oshie and Mantha flanking him at even strength. Uh, and he finished with 27 points in 28 games in March and April last year. So I think that at least makes him intriguing. And certainly it seems like, uh, the cupful drafters have time for Dylan Strom towards the end of their drafts as well. So that might be a guy who, uh, might see himself in a, in a plum spot, at least to start the year. Uh, I do want to say I'm really into Jake DeBrusque, uh, where he's going as well. I think that's a very fun lottery ticket, especially to start the year. Uh, Dylan Strom, my question for you there is, are, would you rather Dylan Strom or would you rather Connor Brown? 
Ooh, that is a really interesting one. Because the thing with Connor Brown, right, is that he he might be line one uh, filling in for Tom Wilson, which is a much better position than line two on this squad. Do you know off the top of your head what his ADP is? Yes, it is. Uh, it's slightly ahead. It's like 260, I want to say. Two, that's 260 is, is lower. 253, and okay. Dylan Strom is 272, or 280, right? Am I, am uh, I wrong? I have him at 238 on Fantrax and 217 on uh, Kakupful. Yes. Oh, 217. So, so if that's where Strom is going compared to Brown, uh, you know, obviously wait and see what the practice news is. But if Brown is up on line one, I think I, I think Brown might potentially be the more talented guy uh, than Strom. I think Strom maybe is starting to show us what, what we've seen from him. Um, so, yeah, I think that is a really interesting one. Uh, and now I wish I had thought to put them on my list, but I wanted to, to pair these guys because I was thinking about some some temporary replacements that you can turn into a streaming slot later. So uh, it's an interesting one for sure. That's a good point. I really like it. This is uh, why you're why you're up there among uh, among the best of our of our podcasters. All right, Lewis, uh, we are drifting into, I'd say we're firmly into medium shift territory. We're very close to long shift territory. And so I think it's time for us to pop off. I want to thank the the folks who joined us for tonight's um, for tonight's live stream. Uh, please, everybody who's listening and wants to hang out with us, join us at twitch.tv slash keeping Carlson. I'm sure we'll announce the next time we go live. Um, for myself, Ben Burnett, thank you so much for joining us. Lewis, take us on out of here. Thanks for joining us so much, uh, especially if you joined us on the Twitch stream. Uh, be sure to give us a follow at Short Chips KK, uh, Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson, Dave Betton of Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Uh, definitely recommend that you follow at Game Day Lines, at Game Day Goalies, and at Game Day News. Uh, please visit the great sites we research our episodes with at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Natural Stat Trick, and Cuckupful.com. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. Bye. Bye. Bye.